Today, we welcome Chef Chris Galarza. He is the entrepreneur, author, public speaker, including on international stages, and podcaster. Renowned for his work in kitchen electrification, as one of the founders and culinary sustainability consultant for Forward Dining Solutions, LLC, it is the first firm dedicated exclusively to creating sustainable and efficient commercial kitchens. Chef Chris has worked on notable projects, such as for Microsoft, and Chatham University's Eden Hall campus. Not only is it the world's first fully self-sustained university, it is also the place where he got to embark on a construction journey of one of the country's first all-electric commercial kitchens. Jeff Chris, thank you, welcome, and, and so glad to have you here on this podcast episode with me. I feel like it's been forever since we last seen each other in COVID yeah. school. Well, thank you for uh, thank you for having me here. And yeah, it's been it's been over a decade since we last saw each other. So I want to, you know, on this podcast, first and foremost, congratulate you on all the success you've seen. And uh, I'm really looking forward to digging and talking to your audience. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. So let's just start off. Let's let the audience get to know you a little bit better. So why don't you walk us through your journey and, and how it led to you and your career as, as a chef to start out? Yeah, well, first and foremost, I started my career as a as a youngling. I was uh, start off in restaurants in Florida and things like that. And eventually, I decided I want to go to culinary school. And um, as someone who loves cold weather, I decided to apply to every culinary school I could think of that got snow. And I decided <laughs> I was just going to let fate take me. And I, uh, the very first school that called me, I didn't care what it was. Uh, I was going to go. So artists of the Pittsburgh called first, I signed up. Uh, the second school that called was actually the French Culinary Institute of New York, where Bobby Flay went. And I was like, sorry, already taken for the Art Institute. <laughs> but it was uh, it was an experience and I got to work with a lot of great folks. From there, I went to the Greenbrier where I, uh, oh, after I graduated with, with a bachelor's, I went to the Greenbrier where I worked for certified master chefs and several culinary Olympians, uh, came back, ran a bunch of places here in Pittsburgh and eventually landed myself at Chatham University where we got to build this incredible campus. I mean, this campus, uh, you know, as you mentioned, was is the world's first fully self-sustaining university campus set on almost 400, 400 acres. I had my own fish. I had my own maple syrup, honey, wow. my own farm, like any, my own orchard, anything I wanted, we could just grow. And we would do fun things like growing popcorn and doing all these different things. So it was really, really cool to experiment. And um, yeah, I did a lot of things there. I, I, I often joke, like I got the chance to work with Olympians and master chefs, but that was the coolest job. Uh, nice. From there, how I got into consulting was simply, uh, I got a call from Microsoft and they were thinking about making this transition, but they weren't quite sure. You know, they had factions within their within their ranks that was saying, yes, we have to do this. Others that would say, absolutely not. We can't possibly sustain that because you can't cook good food without gas and all these things. Uh, mm -hmm. So they called me and said, hey, you don't work for us. You're an unbiased source. You've uh, had experience in both. What do you think? And after we talked for about an hour, I thought that was it. And nice. uh, that was September of 2018. Uh, I remember Tuesday after Thanksgiving, of that same year, we came back from break. I was working at Chatham still, and then um, 
got a call from the engineer who was like, hey, I don't know what you did, but for the last three years, we've been trying to do this and one one hour conversation with you and they're on board. So thank you for helping us do that. Would you like to do this for other clients? So which I said, I thought consulting was what you do when you retire, but I guess not. So <laughs> I went ahead and said, yes, let's do it. So we started talking to the clients because I was trying to figure out what my role is. How do I even talk about these things? And then Microsoft asked me to join the project to which I had to start my own company to do so. They couldn't just pay me as an individual. So that's how Forward Dining Solutions started, was uh, not by choice, it was by demand. <laughs> so uh, after that, I start, I got my LLC paperwork in June of 2019, signed my contract August 2019. And as we all know, the pandemic hit and everything shut down, which honestly was the perfect opportunity for, for me to really sit down and figure out what I wanted to do. Because FDS was always gonna be a back burner thing because I had a day job, I really loved my job. Uh, it was a chef's playground. I had everything I wanted and I was, it was amazing, but I uh, decided that I wanted to help give back to an industry that's given me everything. And I figured this is my, my, my way to do it. This is some way that I can help the industry understand what this, what, what this is, what this could mean. Um, for everyone that works in the back of the house, for everyone that works in the front of the house, even as well. And I decided to go in full force. So I left Chatham, November of 2020, January 21, I started uh, full-time at Forward Dining Solutions and never looked back. And it's been a lot of ups, a lot of downs, uh, it's been a struggle, but it was, and so far has been one of the most rewarding things I've ever done. Nice. So um, in terms of you becoming a, a consultant and, and opening the door uh, with Forward Dining Solutions, that, that obviously brings you into the playground of kitchen electrification, mm -hmm. and that's a hot topic today. And there's some people that are for it, some people that are against it. Uh, what would you get, first off, for those that are aspiring in the possibility of, of switching over from gas to electric? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, this, 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 first off, this has become quite the topic of conversation uh, this year specifically. Uh, for those who are thinking about switching, just the cliff notes, what you would see immediately is your kitchen would be cooler, right? There was a study that was done by Ashray that tested over 100 different kitchens in all different manner of climate zones, and they found that kitchens are hot. Shocker. They found the only time a kitchen was comfortable is when they were prepping or cleaning. When you were cooking, you couldn't do that. You couldn't be comfortable because there's no amount of exhaust that's gonna help you exhaust out that radiant heat that's stuck in there. Yep. So in order to do that is to eliminate the radiant sources of heat, i.e. electrification. So your kitchen will get cooler. You'd notice that cleanup time would be less. You'd probably on average about 30 minutes. So imagine the savings, 30 minutes per employee, per shift, mm -hmm. per day, per week, per quarter it's the, the savings adds up. It's easier to clean. So there's no, you don't need harmful degreasers to clean it. It's hot, be water and you're done. So you're seeing a reduction in the temperature of your space, which means you're saving on electricity because you're not running your air conditioners hard. You're saving on labor, you're saving on chemical, you're saving on water consumption. And also you're able to increase your productivity because your throughput's going to be increased. You know, there those analysis that saw that 70.9 pounds of food per hour was being what could be created with induction uh, versus 38.6 pounds of food per hour with gas. So now wow. the productivity of your staff is increased. So they're comfortable, they're happier, they're out faster, 
And that means that you can now you can reinvest all that back into your space, back into your employees, back into your business, uh, and you can do a lot more. So it, it's really going to open up a, uh, a world of possibilities because you are now able to really do a lot more with your business. Mm. So, I mean, this podcast is, uh, it's gearing towards college university dining programs, but however, mm -hmm. I was on a, a, a webinar that you were on here a couple weeks ago and surprisingly, and kind of not surprising, even K through 12 schools are apparently really, really looking into the possibility oh, yeah. of going all electric. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So, uh, K through 12 has been, pardon the pun, has been remarkable to see the, uh, uh, the the uh, support that we've gotten from them. Uh, so we've done a bunch of webinars. Like last year, for example, we did three with the state of Pennsylvania. Uh, one was for nonprofits. One was higher. One was for higher ed, and one was for K through twelve. The nonprofit and higher ed probably had about thirty people show up to each. That's great. Uh, the one with higher with K through twelve was one hundred and thirty. Wow! So huge jump, and I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that people are realizing that uh, one. Schools don't have a lot of money, so any opportunity they can to save money is going to be important for their operating budget. But two is that they understand that children have a higher base rate of breathing, which is why they're more susceptible to, uh, you know, asthma and things like that. Yep. Uh, and two, they want to take care of the kids, right? So you are able to, <clears throat> by eliminating those sources you know, fossil fuels, you're able to reduce the carb, uh, not just, not just the carbon emissions of your building, but you're also able to reduce the amount of NOx, uh, the amount of, uh, carbon monoxide, sulfur dioxide, uh, soot, smoke, all these things that are in the air. Mm -hmm. uh, and folks may think, yeah, but you got a big system on top. Like how's that possibly going to work? Um, if you can smell food aromas, yeah, that's, that's, that, that, that just means that there's things escaping that hood, correct? So it's fair to say that there are also other particulates that are escaping, which right. means that what the people in the kitchen smell are, are, are breathing in, the students are breathing in. And there was a recent study done by the Albert Einstein School of Medicine last, last, last December, which we're coming up on a year on, um, that showed basically what they did was they took 50 years worth of medical studies, mm -hmm. uh, and, and saw that there was a population attributable fraction, which means that, that they can, with a reasonable uh, degree, conclude that 12.7% that of children who have asthma today can attribute it to gas stoves. Wow. So what that means is about 650,000 children in America alive right now in, in this country can, can say, I have asthma because of this, this gas stove. And a, Reese, and a Baltimore study, I think is in 2015, showed that black and brown children, our communities, mm -hmm. uh, are eight times more likely to die for, from asthma. So it's, so it's no longer just, you know, hey, gas or electric, which is cool. No, this is an equity issue. This is a health issue. This is, this is a big deal, especially in our K-12 schools. Wow. 
that is powerful, powerful. And speaking from someone, I had really, really bad asthma growing up, and it really? is definitely, yeah, it's, it's no joke. But thank God, I, you know, I've been able to grow out of it as an adult for the most part, other than for exercise. Um, I just use an inhaler for that, but it's not anything to play with. I just remember going through school, and all the teachers would, would try to help other students understand how those with asthma were feeling. And I, I can't remember, there was some kind of, like, move with your hands where they, like, try to make it... Uh, someone that doesn't have asthma um, try to feel what someone with asthma feels when they're trying mm. to breathe in and out. I got to look that up. It, it was yeah. a trick that was easy to do, but it, it's definitely no joke, nothing to play around. I mean, that's honestly really powerful. If you can show what someone else is feeling, yeah. like if you can impart that, that that just instills empathy. That's that's amazing. I wish I, I, wish I was taught because my mom has asthma. I remember watching her cook dinner like at night and then just watching her struggle. And I'm like, what is she doing? Is everything okay? Cause I don't know. I don't wow. have asthma, but yeah. now I know it's because of what she was breathing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what's some of the biggest arguments that you're hearing against cooking with electric commercial kitchen equipment? Yeah. Come, come back some of those arguments. That's a great question. So I've gotten a lot of them. Like I've compiled a list actually that we put into the William J. Worth foundations, uh, building decarbonization guide that we helped write. And really what it boils down to is that people are making up excuses as to why they shouldn't change, right? So we put together like a myth busting section on that. And uh, I've heard a lot of them. Uh, none of them are really based in reality. So there was, uh, for example, people are saying, you can't saute on, on induction because once you lift up the pan, it's not connected, therefore it can't possibly work. And that one I got from while working with a big tech company uh, that I had to explain to the chef who's a lot older, older than I, a lot more experienced, that once you lift up the pan from the flame, the flame doesn't follow the pan. Same principles apply. The pan is just hot. You saute, you put it back down. right? Yeah. I've heard things that uh, cooking speeds are exaggerated. But once we go through the figures and facts, we're able to kind of point and say, hey, you know, with this gas stove, it's 30% efficient at best. So you're looking at 10,000 10, BTUs actually reaching the food. With this mm -hmm. induction, you're looking at 15,000 BTUs reaching the food. So now we can see there's a lot more energy making it in, we can cook faster. Uh, but there are some that people just don't, that isn't intentional for some. Mm -hmm. uh, and they think that is going to hurt their traditional ways of cooking. So I'm thinking of tandoor ovens or, or woks. Yeah. Right? And, and we're going to focus on walks because that's the one that's gotten the most attention. Okay. Uh, walks are induction. <laughs> they have been for some time now. In fact, I have a friend of mine, Rochelle Boucher, who does uh, demonstrations with Martin Yen. And Martin Yen's been talking about induction for over a decade, which is incredible in and of itself. But he was saying that every new restaurant in Beijing is all electric. Mm. That includes walks. In fact, they're so far beyond the conversation on whether or not this is a viable thing that they're actually coming up with automated walks. So one chef can maintain a line of five walks versus having five chefs, right? What? So yeah, so you can do a lot of a lot of things. Uh, so <laughs> electrification allows us to continue on with our traditional ways of cooking, mm -hmm. while also allowing us to be good stewards of the planet. So yeah. I'm so 
my mother's Brazilian. Four generations ago, my great-grandfather left the Amazon rainforest, right? So he left this tribe. My grandmother had recipes. Uh, one day I'm going to inherit these recipes from a tribe I don't know the name of. And I know I'm going to be able to replicate them just fine on induction or in whatever it is that we want to do because cooking, as you know, is all about fundamentals and techniques. It has nothing to do with your fuel source. So it yeah. doesn't matter if you're sautéing on a campfire or sautéing in your gas stove or sautéing on your induction range. A sauté is a sauté. A braise is a braise. These are fundamentals, right? Yep. So, but it'll also, but why I say it, it, it refines our traditions uh, and allows us to be good stewards of the planet is because now that wok can also save you in your commercial kitchen about half a million gallons of water per year mm. just from switching. Wow. So now your additional savings, right? And if, and, and if any of, uh, of your listeners are on the West Coast, you know as good as, as well as I do that water is as good as gold. Yeah. So there's a lot of these things that are just, it, honestly, I've, I've, I've even heard uh, people be worried about radiation coming off of induction. That's how deep down the rabbit hole pe people can get. So That's they the think that, for me. yeah, so, uh, yeah, it's like, you know, the old, like when cell phones were coming out, they were saying it's going to give you cancer. Yeah, uh, yeah, right. There's been study after study after study that showed that non-ionizing radiation is not going to kill you, right? Mm -hmm. It's just not. Uh, you're not going to get cancer from any of these things. In fact, uh, I haven't been able to find a study, a reputable study that links cell phones to, to, uh, to, to cancer, let alone induction stoves. So there's a big difference in which we have to educate people on what the difference between ionizing and non-ionizing radiation is, right? Ionizing radiation has enough oomph to knock out electrons from your cells, right, from your DNA or whatnot, and that's what causes cancer, right? That's what can hurt you. Non-ionizing non radiation doesn't have that power. So, yeah. uh, and it's been tested that around 3,000 nanoteslas comes off of induction ranges, which sounds like a lot. Sounds like a scary number until you realize that uh, a 2016 study in the UK, when they were trying to figure out, is it safe to live under power lines, found that about 10,000 nanoteslas were being generated from power lines. And they found there's no adverse effects from living underneath the power line, which I've lived in under my entire life. I lived in the city my entire life. I live under power lines right now. Mm -hmm. And uh, totally safe. So if it's okay to get way more radiation, way more consistently with uh, the power lines, when you cook your eggs in the morning for five minutes, you're going to be just fine. <laughs> that, that, that's definitely good to hear. So I don't, wanna, I don't want anyone getting sick from cooking eggs here. Right. <laughs> so, so speaking of five minutes, I have one last question here. Sure. Was, I can't remember the exact number, but a commercial induction burner, right? A high powered mm -hmm. one. You can boil like a big pot of water in how many minutes is it? So there's a uh, different level. So actually I was just, uh, it, this is fresh in my mind cause I was just doing this for a client. Uh, so a big stock pot, right? You can boil, uh, what is it? Five gallons in like 11 minutes. Uh, wow. yeah, which is wild. No, but like, you know, like we've done demonstrations where we're like actually taking a pot of ice and in like five, 10 minutes, it's melted and boiled. Like it's, it's, it's fast. Uh, we've done demonstrations where we've taken a saute pan full of ice, dump the contents out, toss the fresh vegetables in, start to saute within seconds. And then the audience doesn't know that when I pull the pan out to show them the cooked vegetables, there's a hundred dollar bill underneath that pan. Wow. 
because there's again no no radiant sources of heat. It's just, we're just using magnets, and uh, I, I feel like I have to explain how induction works. Induction works by creating an oscillating magnetic wave mm -hmm. that excites the molecules within the pan and creates that molecular friction that heats the pan up. So imagine, so think of your microwave at home. You turn it on, microwaves go in, excites the water molecules, the food cooks from the inside out. Similar process. Mm -hmm. So there's no fire. There's no like radiant sources of heat like you would get from traditional electric stoves. Uh, it's simply using science to work within the structure of the pan to heat your metal. So you're not gonna get any more pans, any more hot and cold spots, any more big soot buildup, no more pans that doesn't sit right on your saute line. It stays flat uh, all the time. I can't tell you the number of warped pans I've come across in my career. Yeah, and how many times you sauce just spills out because hey, it's just not sitting right, right? Yeah. And the chef doesn't want to buy new pans because they're cheap. Yes. <laughs> Chef Chris, I know that I said one last question, but uh, I'm actually going to ask one more. So <laughs> please do share what is next on the horizon for you and, and how can people connect with you? Yeah, so there is a lot happening. Um, I can't talk about it all right now, but uh, we're working on a few things that if all goes well, we'll redefine how we def how we design build and operate these commercial kitchens. We're going to be redefining education around all of this. So there's a lot that we're doing. Um, and if you would follow me on social media, I'm primarily active on LinkedIn. Um, just Google my name and you'll find me or search my name on LinkedIn. And you'll find me chef Christopher A. Galarza. Uh, we do have a small presence on LinkedIn and Twitter, but we don't Sorry, on Instagram and Twitter, but we don't focus primarily on that. So if you want to know the the latest on what what's going on as I as I announce it, um, follow me there, and I promise you, what's coming down the pike is going to change everything. This is going to be big, and um, we're looking forward to having you all part of the journey. You, uh, this has been great. Um, so Remarkable Academic Foods, I say RAF for short, and I call everyone that's a part of it, and no matter what capacity, including yourself, you're helping K-12, you're helping college universities, we are all what I call RAF ambassadors. So I thank I you it. for joining on this podcast and helping RAF Nation throughout the nation here. And um, I'll see you next time, and, and thank you again for your work. Fantastic. Until uh, next time, we're out. Oh, 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 oh,